and O for Oh My God! Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. I'm Kyle Skinner. And we're your hosts for this surprise mini episode of Mouse Madness where we are talking about the brand new, recently released Pixar film, Onward. Onward was a movie that, I mean, I, I don't know that we need to really introduce it any other way than just to kind of give our, our thoughts when we first heard about this this movie when it was first announced. I think that uh, for, for those of you who are listening now, this is going to be, I think, a fairly spoiler-esque episode. So if you have not seen the movie, which it's only been out for a few days at this point, go ahead and pause this, go see the movie, come back and listen. Uh, we promise this will not get taken down be- before you get back. So give you a couple of seconds to uh, make your decision. And okay, so I mean, when this was first announced, and there there were n- like no details about it. I'm pretty sure we had just begun this podcast when they had just announced this movie. Because I remember the two of us talking about um, how we, we just were like, what way are they going to go with this thing? And then the initial trailer came out, Chris. And it was like, what in the world <laughs> is happening here? Yeah, they, I think, released Onward and Soul announcements like very close to each other, if my memory serves me correctly. And we were kind of like, whoa, whoa. All right, we're double yeah. dipping in 2020. Let's go. And <laughs> my first reaction was that I was reminded of that Beanstalk movie that Pixar had been kicking around for like years. They even went so far as to announce it during right. a convention. I can't remember if it was like a Comic-Con or a D23 or something, but that project fell through the cracks. And I was kind of like, okay, they've failed once already at this like fairy tale farce thing. I'm not... sure what they're going for here, but it definitely felt like something different for Pixar. Yeah, and uh, you bring up how this was announced, and we are a little bit skeptical because of the Beanstalk movie that got dropped. They they even went as far as to make a pun of it in Zootopia. It was one of the movie covers, right? So, like, at this point, you didn't really know what was happening with uh, Disney and Pixar, and yeah. the trailer showed these unicorns as like raccoons, and they showed all of these like the elves living in these mushrooms, and Chris Pratt being really obnoxious about his unicorn van, and the pun made off of that. I just remember rolling my eyes and being like, "We have a good dinosaur on our hands. This is just going to be a dud." And so I went and saw this movie in an IMAX theater. I don't know that it's really necessary for folks to go see it in an IMAX theater, but. Chris, I walked away, and I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. Well, Kyle, that makes one of us. (laughs) So I'm going to go ahead and let you talk about the ways in which you enjoyed this movie, just in a a really, like, surface-level quick review. Sure. I think that I enjoyed this movie because I came in thinking that it was going to be awful. I think that I came in to this movie with the lowest of expectations, the ground floor of expectations. I was ready for this to just be a dud and not be good. And there were like a few things that surprised me. I thought that the characters were developed enough that they were relatable. I thought that the chemistry between the two main characters was spot on, even though I didn't think that was going to happen with Chris Pratt and Tom Holland. And some of the 
the gags that I rolled my eyes at during the previews turned out to be not as cringy in context of the movie, in my opinion. And then also, like, we'll get into it, I'm sure, but the story was nothing like what they marketed. I didn't expect this to be this type of journey at all. So I was just pleasantly surprised by how everything turned out, which really, it, it just turned out to be like a solid movie with a solid story, in my opinion, which is maybe why I thought it was so great, because I didn't expect it to be that. Yeah, my expectations were also extremely low. I know you said that the trailer was just made it seem kind of silly, and, and I felt the same way, and I got major, like, DreamWorks vibes from that trailer, or, like, Illumination, or some type of, like, Despicable Me, Minions, just base-level animated film. Right. And so I also had low expectations until I started seeing all of these people say how amazing this movie was. You know, we follow so many members of Diz Twitter who are like influencers who have early screening access to the movies or general film critics. And everyone just started talking about how incredible this movie is and how it's not as bad as everyone thought it was. And all of those tweets came out like a couple of days before the movie came out. And I had absolutely no intention of seeing this movie at all. And once I saw those tweets, I was like, all right, I guess we got a winner on our hands for sure. And... I made it about seven minutes into this movie and I wanted to walk out of the theater and leave. But I didn't because Frozen 2, I had a very similar sensation where I Mm. wanted to leave. I was like, I think this movie is having a really tough time. Get off the ground here. And we're 15, 20, 30 minutes into this movie and it's not doing anything for me yet. But that movie eventually paid off in a really nice way. But Onward never paid off for me. This movie was extremely bloated. It lacked focus in pretty much every way. And it got to the point to where at the very end during the climax scene, I was banging my head into the back of the headrest because I just wanted this movie to be over. It was like the movie that would never end because there was so much happening. It was way too much. I got the same feeling watching Onward that I got watching Anchorman 2. <laughs> and that is saying something because Anchorman 2 is in like a bottom three worst movies I've ever seen in a movie theater. This movie is like a, a spoof on the fairy tale genre. It's an oddball buddy cop movie. It's a road film. It's an action adventure film. Those are all things that are completely different. And if we're talking about themes, it's a movie that's about... Uh, brotherhood it's about life without a father it's about selective memory it's about age as a social contract it's about trusting others it's about trusting yourself it's a spoof on nerd culture like it's just all of these different things where isolating one of those or two of those i think you can definitely pull off a great movie and there are aspects of this film that do work well for me but when you try to throw so many of those things into one movie it just gets so frustrating to watch because you take time away from the things that are really important. So I think we have to look at like what is the heart of this movie and then maybe we can go from there. So what do you think Onward is about in the most basic sense? Well, I think that it's about life is an experience that can be incredibly chaotic, but one thing that's always constant is family. That's kind of what I took from it. And so like all of this craziness and so much happening and things are going either right or wrong and they're going off on all these different paths like that's that was a metaphor for life for me 
and the one constant was the family that you had even if it was like the idea of family just family both physically and not that you have or the one constant thing i think just that was the underlying message or at least that's the the storyline and the the theme that i took away from that movie so i kind of went a little bit deeper um do you know anything about like the writing process and kind of like how this movie was conceived not even a little bit so i didn't do any of my research before i saw this movie but i sitting in the movie theater really frustrated and i was just waiting for the end credits to find out who is behind this and it's a pete doctor produced movie but it was directed by dan scanlon and written by dan scanlon with the assistance of jason headley and keith bunnan those last two guys are literally randoms like (laughs) literally have no movie credits to their name that matter at all. Dan Scanlon was behind Monsters University, and that's it. So this is a guy who doesn't really have a whole lot of success at Pixar, but he's been around the studio for a really long time. I believe he was an animator on the first Cars movie. and uh-huh. So he's, he's been around for almost 20 years. But Dan Scanlon lost his father when he was a child. Hmm. And so I know I'm like cheating by doing homework here, But when I was watching the movie, I was like, it really seems like a lot of these little beats in this movie are like way too specific. And like, they're so awkward because they're so specific. Like that scene where he's playing the cassette and Mm -hmm. like talking to his dad. Mm -hmm. I was like, this like doesn't belong in a Pixar movie. Like this is really weird. Like it's a good scene, but I, I don't understand why I'm watching it right now. And that is a thing that Dan Scanlon, the writer of the movie did. He had a cassette for, that had his father's voice on it, and he spoke to it. Same thing with, like, the, oh, Barley, you have three memories of your dad. Exactly. Oh, you have a fourth memory of your dad. Exactly. I'm like, this is, like, way too specific. Like, <laughs> like why do we keep going back to this, like, number? Uh, and that's because, like, that, that was part of the writer's story. And so, you know, I cannot imagine what it's like to lose a parent but I think this movie tries to focus on that. But because it's a Pixar movie, that can't be the primary focus because it's a little bit too heavy handed. So they kind of like build it out from there. And we go, okay, so like let's, let's do some brotherhood stuff too. And then that'll kind of like water down the intenseness of like the losing a parent thing. And then, and then it just kind of like keeps mutating from there. Hmm. I really wish that this movie eliminated a lot of the extraneous stuff. For example, the mom, everything with the mom, just let it go. Like Big Hero 6 has a a great like ant character. She's in a few good scenes at the beginning of the movie and then she's gone. It's good. <laughs> like the mom doesn't need to have her own subplot and she doesn't need to be like the hero at the end of the film. Also, in addition to the other two characters also being the heroes for their own individual plot points. It's like, you see what I'm saying when this like movie is too stuffed in with a bunch of stuff? Like, the simpler the better to me. How did you feel about the ending of the movie when they were balancing the dragon fight with like the dad coming back to life and the main character, Ian, not being able to, to actually get the chance to meet his father? Was that a satisfying conclusion to you? Yeah, I think going back to kind of the points that you also just made where you wanted more like 
simplicity and it was the simpler the better for you i thought that the complexities and even if you felt like it, it was doing too much i appreciated it for what it was worth i kind of appreciated that like these kids took off and we got to see a mother who wasn't just sitting at home waiting for them to come back and she was trying to take it into her own hands and and help and find out what's going on with their sons and like I appreciated that I agree with you maybe they were trying to fit in too much and that's actually one of the things I have in my notes here that I was a little bit disappointed in that they just kind of were glancing over some aspects of things but I was satisfied with the way that they fit in all of this chaos into what was supposed to be a chaotic movie in my opinion and I was just satisfied with it the ending was interesting because because I definitely didn't see it panning out like that and maybe I just wasn't in the mindset to be like looking out for context clues and maybe you you saw it coming the whole time but I didn't see that that twist of like one it was actually going to happen I think the entire time I thought I was just thinking like they're going to run out of time and what they're going to find is that what really matters is each other which is kind of like what ended up happening except it was like it was much more of like a tearing out of the heart when he gets to see like but he can't go and he can't call out like nothing is more sad than like a, a child who can't get like the love that they need right so i think that like in pixar's like this reign of recent movies in which they're trying to like really invoke an emotional response from from the audience this was one that like actually kind of like shook me like in coco like you, you kind of you felt sad be between Miguel and Mama Coco, but, like, you kind of felt like she's going to come back around, right? This one, something could have happened, and then there's Dad, and they live happily ever after, but that wasn't the case, right? So it was a it was a satisfying ending for me. The only thing that I did not like, I didn't like that it was, like, this dragon character that they tried to create some, like, comedic bits with while this like intense battle was happening like just make him a scary monster rock dragon and let the protagonist defeat it but don't put that silly mascot face on it and try and be cute with it right like maybe they were trying to soften it up for a younger audience but it felt like if they were already going that route then just foot on the gas and just do it it was kind of like a i maybe you wrote you probably rolled your eyes at this but it was kind of like a oh, we should have seen this coming, like, from from the beginning. Why why did they show this dragon for a, a split second at the beginning? I was thinking that the entire time. I was like, oh, is that, like, a nod to the San Francisco State Gators and, and the Pixar Studios up here, and, like, maybe an animator went to that school? But when, in reality, they were just foreshadowing the end. So satisfying and how it turned out with Ian seeing his dad but not being able to reach out and to meet him but really unsatisfying with the action bit of it. I agree with what you were saying about kind of not being able to see the ending coming. And I think you can compare this to a movie like Frozen or Maleficent, where they kind of mislead you on purpose. Um, the difference with those movies, though, is that the truth is also there throughout the entire movie. Like in Frozen, they're like, uh, you know, act of true love. We've already seen Anna and Elsa's love for each other. And we've also seen Hans and Anna's love for each other. But like our brains automatically go to this one thing. And then when it kind of does that little like reversal at the end, 
we go, oh, duh. We've seen this the whole time. Whereas, like, in this movie, they do a similar thing, but it's like, okay. All these flashback scenes are cool and stuff, but I wish that we had seen them have a stronger relationship, like, throughout the movie before this. Especially to make a statement so strong as Barley is Ian's father figure. Like, you need a lot more than, like, a little road trip where the main character doesn't want to have anything to do with this guy. It just really felt rushed to me. Right. Yeah, I I can see that, and I can semi-agree with it. But I think that also the relationship between siblings can be unconditional and you can still like feel like your brother is a father figure without him having like the parental influence that one might expect like i think that if they had it like they spent the movie doing this kind of like goofy movie trip where like as they go along they're getting closer and closer then it would have just fallen into the kind of road trip trip that you brought up but i think that allowing them to have conflict and to maybe not like be sing-songy and uh, and they have their final hug and like all that stuff it it just brings another layer into like what it means to be siblings and be family like not all families are this close-knit group of people but they can still love each other and have influence over each other just as strong as one that show these kind of like strong familial uh affections and, and that kind of stuff so i don't know i kind of appreciated the the different take on these different relationships and maybe it was totally unintentional and what they were really trying to do was like form the strong bond and it didn't come off that way to me but if this was their intent then i appreciated it yeah i i do think that the brotherhood theme is a really good one and one that i don't think pixar has explored in depth quite yet um both of us have brothers and Mm -hmm. Uh, so, you know, I really relate to those feelings of like, you know, looking up to your brother or looking up to your brother, but also kind of seeing ways in which he could improve upon himself, you know? Right. Um, the thing is, I wish that the movie had been more clear that that was what it was about from the beginning. Right. Because when you have the father present on the trip with them, it like keeps taking you in and out of those brotherhood moments because then it becomes a fatherhood movie and it's like I wish that they had never like half brought the father back to life and maybe like the father left a quest for his sons after his passing and then like that was his like will on his on Ian's 16th birthday he would go after a off on a quest with his older brother Uh, and Ian didn't really want to go and Barley really wanted to go And then, you know, maybe the dad had promised something at the end of the quest and then like they don't find anything at the end and they had all these great times together. That way you really focus on the thing that I think the movie does best, right? Tell the story of brotherhood that might not fit naturally, but because they're brothers, they they have to fit together. I think there's some good pieces there, Um, but yeah, I just don't know that, that it's, executed in the most efficient way there are some other things i want to talk about that i liked in this movie because i didn't hate everything uh just like coco i thought there were some moments that (laughs) uh, 
I really enjoyed. For example, Guinevere, the van, I loved pretty much everything with the van. I know that there's some controversy surrounding the van and that the Pixar animators were accused of stealing the art yeah. from the van because they had like seen it on Craigslist mm-hmm. or something. I don't know how legit that accusation is. Sounds about right, but it's also a pretty generic looking van. I loved the setup and the payoff with the air conditioner. That was a, a smart way to do setups and payoffs. I really liked when they were merging onto the freeway and Barley was like, you got to get three lanes oh, over. so <laughs> like, good. I felt seen in that moment. He, he was like, uh, you need to merge. And Ian's like, I can't merge. And he's like, you're going to have to. Like, uh, like, just do it. Whatever, right? Like, that's the exact conversation that happens every time somebody merges. Like, well, you're doing it. You're going to have to. So those examples of like Barley being a big brother slash father to Ian get kind of brushed under the rug because the music's very frantic and you have like the pixies flying around and like the editing is like very rapid. If there was a moment where Barley kind of slows it down and says, Ian, you can do this. Great. I would love that. But they just keep like layering on the, the funniness, you know, which like I said, it kind of distracts from the from the central theme of this movie. But I did, I, like I said, I did like that uh, merging on the freeway part. I think that I had, since my expectations were so, 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 so low for this, that the parts that kind of got to you, especially in the comedy realm, definitely didn't get it to me because I think my expectation was this was going to be like over-the-top goofiness. And it just what and it wasn't that, but maybe it was a little bit too much for what the story was. But I didn't catch that because I was, like I said at the beginning, pleasantly surprised with how not as goofy as I thought it was going to be. The other fantastic van moment, the hardest I laughed in the whole movie, which wasn't that many times, but it was when he put the boulder on the gas pedal and put in the like Viking music on the cassette tape and like slapped it on the bumper and it was like saluted it. <laughs> galloping. I really thought that that was funny and uh, I liked that they kind of gave that inanimate <laughs> object like a slight character and you know it was something that brought the character, the two kind of unlikely characters together. Um, so I think, I think I, I definitely really enjoyed that element of it. Yeah, I think uh, those <laughs> those parts are the exact ones that I wrote down about what I really enjoyed about this movie. Specifically, the um, Guinevere when they send him, send her off with the boulder. I just that was so good, and his salute and just that entire moment was so great. Um, like I also wrote down the merging part. Um, like I said, I thought that the silly moments weren't as silly as they could have been, so that was a plus for me. Um, I felt like that relationship between the brothers was ex- extremely authentic. I brought that up just a little bit ago, that there's many dynamics to a, like of, to a family, and I think this one was represented very well. I did really like the daring mom uh, and, and her quest to help these kids uh, and not just sit at home and take action. I really enjoyed that because I feel like sometimes in Pixar movies – parents are either helpless or dead and this mom was neither of that and i really enjoyed that kind of different take on on the living parent how did you feel about the 
kind of fairy tale spoof setting that this movie took place in was that working for you or could you have done without all of the gags yeah i think this is where it got a little shrekky for me only because shrek already did it but like i said it's hard for me to talk about this movie now because of my preconceived notion of what it was going to be which was based upon nothing at all so like I ex- I expected way too much over the top. I expected the unicorns to keep showing up in every scene and run into trash cans and stuff. Like I just expected complete spoofiness and it wasn't that. So when the kind of spoof stuff happened, like the whole restaurant scene, I don't know that I really needed. It was like funny, but like we've that we did that in the goofy movie with the the possum bus stop, right? Like we kind of did that already. But it so it, it didn't really have too much of an effect on me. I'm not a huge like fantasy esque genre person when it comes to movies to begin with, with like elves and magic and all that kind of stuff. So it's not my cup of tea to begin with, but I it, it didn't necessarily take away a ton from the movie for me. Yeah, I thought that it was a little bit distracting at first. At first I thought it was like interesting to try to like spot the little the little gags and the little puns and stuff uh, just like on the little products that were on the family's kitchen counter side note there was a bottle of protein powder on the kitchen counter that had 60 grams of protein per scoop which is like a lot of protein folks that's like three times what protein per scoop total is in the real world but maybe elves need more proteins than human beings kyle i don't know yeah maybe at the beginning of the movie, they showed like a little like prologue of yeah the real old fairy tale times yeah. where there was like some elves and wizards and stuff, and I kind of wanted to see that movie. Honestly, <laughs> I was like, wait, shoot, I want to see this where like you have a village of these magic creatures dealing with the introduction of technology. You know, sure. I thought that that was kind of a cool. Cool little, like, vignette, I guess. Um, that gave me too much, like, Smurf vibes for some reason, though. Yeah, and it, it was a little Lord of the Ringsy too, at times. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. it seemed like they kind of, like, stopped doing the fairy tale spoof thing as the movie went on. They just kind of yeah. forgot about it or... Yeah, I could see that. I don't know. I mean, you get some of that stuff in Zootopia. I don't know. Did you like Zootopia? Or are you a fan of that one? I, uh, that was one that I like. I really enjoyed the first time I watched it because of its cultural significance at the time. But it's not one that I'm like a huge fan of. I thought it was an important movie for its time, and it was one of those kind of eye openers for folks. But I don't like. It's not in my like top repertoire of Disney Pixar movies at all. Yeah, I enjoy it as well. But yeah, I don't really revisit it very much. Um, so onward is a hero's quest movie where you have a hero with a very clear goal and they go from point to point to get there another pixar movie that does that is finding nemo yeah which won our best pixar movie it did of all the pixar movies i found that that movie did the format a lot better it just felt kind of more natural to me. The plot points organically followed each other based on things that the characters were doing. For example, 
Barracuda eats a mom fish, which causes the dad to be overbearing, which causes the son to be overeager, which causes the son to do something stupid, which causes the father to overreact, which causes him to be frantic, which causes him to bump into a silly fish, etc., etc., etc. This movie had a lot of really convenient things happen in the expositional parts of the film. For example, he wanders into a burger shop for no reason, and there happens to be a strange man that knew his father from college times, and then that guy disappeared from the movie forever. He gave Ian some like fun anecdotes about the dad wearing purple socks and being a center of attention, and that caused Ian to be like, oh, I want to be born like my dad. And then he was not more like his dad. So dead ends. Next thing. Oh, magical staff comes out of nowhere. All right. Oh, Barley happens to know all there is to know about quests. And he knows exactly where we're supposed to be. Did you find the Heroes Quest format to be fitting to this movie? Was it clunky in places for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I brought it up like the the part where they go and try and find the manicure and she's working at this children's theme restaurant and like some of it just felt very forced i think that with the it it fit the like hero's quest format especially in this movie fit the like it, it fit the movie because it's this like fantasy elves thing that i associate with quests and like Dungeons and Dragons type stuff like you know it, it Barley yes he was super problematic that he just like knew all this stuff but he's also like a super nerd with this stuff but it's also kind of like old history so is Barley really like a history buff instead of like a, a nerd when it comes to like quest games and things like there it, it that wasn't very well established Right, like we're introduced to him, and he's just this like crazy, like teenage nerd dude who like just knows everything that there is about magic and all that stuff. And it would have been nice if there was a little bit of like background to that, but it, I mean, I like I said, my expectations were so low. I think that what like as as we're kind of talking about things that didn't quite work for us, it was really frustrating that Pixar wanted to dive into representation and they didn't quite hit the mark they continue just to kind of like be subtle about it because i think they're afraid but if you're gonna do it like it's 2020 like just do it like the community is gonna be more supportive of you if you just like take that risk and do it so they like dropped a a subtle lgbtq uh character in there in the police officer and she mentions that she has a wife like that's great but that's that's how you're going to represent that community is like through a cop who mentions her wife like it there could have been a character in there his i mean his they could have been going after a mom who died and the mom is there's another mom in their life right like if they're going to do it let's do it also Octavia Spencer is the manticore and she falls so much into this trope of like crazy black lady that i just did not appreciate like she's like hard working waiter server that when she lets loose she's this kind of crazy like almost 
like hot tempered and like I I know that like they're not portraying her as like a a member of the human race, but it was just such a trope. It's like it's like the donkey type characters that pe- they cast for black people. Like it's now the angry black woman, and I just I was like, you have to be better when you're writing for people of color. You just have to be. And maybe this goes down to like the research that you did that these are just like randoms that wrote this movie and they didn't know what they were doing and they just tried to do everything like sure yeah probably but it's just like there's so many people involved in this movie and somebody should have said hey yo we're actually like releasing this right around black history month maybe we didn't have a character that was like mad black lady so that was a little disappointing for me yeah and movies like black panther have shown that people are interested in hearing stories about and stories from people who are underrepresented in film and television. So they have that short film on Disney+. Plus. It is called Float, and it doesn't explicitly say that it is about a child with special needs, but it very clearly is about a father who is unsure how to be proud with his child who is unlike all of the other children. And that is a really fantastic short film. And I have not heard anyone say this mo- this short is terrible. This short should not be on there. It's great. It's touching. Great to see a perspective on something that maybe isn't talked about so much. So I think they could easily blow out a movie about someone like that that is still fun and adventurous and funny I think, yeah, like you said, they should just go for it. Yeah. And I mean, like, even the winner of the best short film was a movie called Hair Love. And it was about a dad and his daughter and their African-American family and how he has to, like, live in a world in which black hair is not always accepted. And, like, people respond well to that because they like to see movies that are represented in and people can appreciate other cultures. And so, like I said, and like you just said, Pixar, if you're going to do it, just do it. Well, that will be a good segue into what we think is going to come next out of Pixar and out of Onward. Obviously, we know Soul is coming next, so we might actually get to see some of that stuff. Uh, it seems like it's about a man who lives in Harlem, and I live close-ish to Harlem, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how accurate the representation is. Um, But it also seems like he kind of goes into like another dimension or another reality, which is either going to completely take away (laughs) that entire opportunity to do a lot uh, with that character and with that setting, or it's going to be able to somehow pull it off. And if Onward is any indication, I'm not so sure I'm confident in them potentially trying to tell two stories at once. I'm hoping that it's not he's traveling into another dimension but he's experienced some sort of afterlife and that's what this little representation of him is and they're going to explore kind of the themes of afterlife and what it means to live a full life and that kind of stuff i hope that's the direction they're going and it's not some silly movie but like i i mean i was wrong about onward and like its presentation and how they were marketing it could be wrong about soul at this point i just don't know i'm more excited for soul than i was for onward that is absolutely for sure and it does also seem like they're doing they're representing this culture like i i I just told them to just do it it sounds like they're gonna just do it in this one there's a lot of themes of like 
jazz music and a lot of authentic scenes of like barbershop stuff and like that's I love to see that so uh, I'm a little bit more optimistic I hope we don't have anything else with Onward I think we can move on from this entity and hopefully we don't get a Cars 2 situation where it's like they're trying to capture maybe whatever magic that might come out of Onward and and try and capitalize on it like they can't do that for me so uh, I'm looking forward to Soul. Um, I'm I'm happy that Pixar's churning out some original stuff after s- Disney just kind of doing some remakes and sequels. So uh, I still have faith in in Pixar and in Soul. While I was watching Onward, I kept thinking that this would have made a much better TV series or like a series of films <laughs> because they thrust us into this world that we have absolutely no knowledge of. We have no idea how the logic works in this universe. And so a lot of the beginning of the movie is spent trying to set that kind of stuff up and it takes away from building those relationships and getting the movie off on the right foot. So I was like, I wish that this had been like TV series where we have a lot more time to figure that stuff out as we go along and we can get to know the world and get to know the history and get to know the other types of characters that exist like with every episode as opposed to trying to figure it out all at once and like let's keep introducing curses and manticores and pixies and fairies and elves and unicorns and weird dragon pets and centaurs and people with one eye and like movies like cars and toy story and finding nemo Yes, they are unrealistic and they're about talking things that don't normally talk, but they still make more sense because for the most part they exist in this universe. Like the physics are for the most part the same. So Woody acts like you would expect a toy to act or Lightning McQueen acts like you would expect a car to act that looks like a race car and Tow Mater acts like a tow truck. They're, these objects come to life in really accurate ways, so it's not hard for us to buy into that reality as soon as the movie starts rolling. But with Onward, we just have no conception of what is going on and what this universe is and what the weird history is behind all of these mythical creatures. and It's just a lot to grasp in 90 minutes, so... I would not be opposed to an Onward series on Disney Plus that kind of explores some of that. And, you know, I thought the Pixies were kind of annoying and that they took up so much screen time, but I thought that they were very well acted and very well animated and they were entertaining to watch in a lot of ways as well. So I think there's some room to explore this world a little bit more. I hope it's not in an Onward sequel because I don't really know what where we're supposed to go from here maybe ian goes to college i don't know but um you know unfortunately this movie's kind of coming out at a bad time where the movie industry is not going to be performing well so i'm not sure disney will have the numbers to justify doing anything more with it so i guess we'll just kind of have to see it'll be very very interesting yeah i personally don't need any more onward in my life i think this was a nice movie that I enjoyed it's probably going to be a Zootopia-esque for me where I appreciated it for what it was and for the time that it came out and I'm probably I'll probably watch it one more time on Disney plus to just kind of see if how my feelings have changed after seeing it and getting the expectations set but 
um, yeah, I think that for what it was, it was fine, and and I think I'm I was happy with it. All right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for our mini episode, Onward Review. If you have anything you'd like to add, anything you'd like to rebuttal, or if you want to just get in contact with us about potentially being a tiebreaker host on an episode, you know where to reach us. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Tweet us at mousemadnesspod. Join us on Discord, Facebook. We just released Best Fantasyland Attraction Part 1 a few days ago. Be sure to check that out if you haven't already. We've got Part 2 coming up next Monday. And thanks for joining us. I want to